This is Dave Chang. And Chris Ying. We are the hosts of Recipe Club. You may have listened to it before, but we are now back on the air, new and improved, with the same hosts that lose every week. I still don't know what the rules are because they've changed as well. Chris, can you give a quick rundown? Every week, we debate the best way to cook the things you want to eat. We take a user, listener, submitted recipe, and we all cook it with our friends, Priya Krishna, Rachel Kong, Brian Ford, and John DeBerry. And then we talk about what went right and what went wrong. No, I actually really don't want to do this podcast. (laughs) And they are hardly our friends. They are enemies. They are enemies. It's Dave's civil disobedience. If you want to see Dave Chang in an act of civil disobedience, tune into Recipe Club where he will not follow the recipe. I'm contractually obligated (laughs) to make this podcast. (laughs) But I'm here to have a good time. So listen to Recipe Club every week on the Ringer Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Vital Farms. No matter how you like your eggs scrambled, over easy, or sunny side up, the people at Vital Farms believe in one thing, keeping it bullshit free. That's why their pasture-raised eggs come from hens who each have over 108 square feet of space to roam and forage all year round. So you can spend less time questioning your food and more time enjoying it. Look for Vital Farms in your grocery store and learn more at vitalfarms.com. Vital Farms, keeping it bullshit free. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Jang Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network, presented by Major Media. Thank you, Yola Tango, as always. Today, we have one of the best chefs in America, and he has opened up uh, a couple restaurants in a year, one during the pandemic, Horn Barbecue, which was featured in our Hulu show, Next Thing You Eat, and he just opened up Cowbird, his fried chicken sandwich shop. I have not been. Have you been, Chris? My wife has been on a weekday and did not bring me anything. So no, well, I've not been. Jamie, good, good work. Good work. <laughs> rude. Just rude. He also has a new book out, Horn Barbecue, that uh, you should get to, to get an insight in how he got here. Because the funny thing is, I feel like a lot of people feel that it might be an overnight success story. And if you listen to this interview, it is the furthest thing from it. And I'm just so happy for everything that's come his way because... We need more people like Matt in the business, that's for sure. And um, we talk about what I would like to see in barbecue, right? I would love to see an omakase barbecue spot. Oh my God, me too. I, I won't lie that I, I haven't tried to plant that seed in some of my team's uh, <laughs> minds. Because I'm, I'm basically retired. I'm not going to put on whites <laughs> as far as I'm going to try not to. As much as I want to, that would be a cool shop, right? To just slice meats. Can I, can I take a want. quick digression? Because you just said that. Starting with Noodle Bar, honestly, there's an element of the restaurants you've opened in your career. To me, I look at them and I'm like, so half these restaurants he opened because he wanted to eat this food and eat in this, in this kind of place. <laughs> like, is it like a little, like you're talking about planting these seeds with your team and stuff? Like, no, you I, are I, a little, I'll, I'll just give it out there. If I was going to open up a new kind of restaurant, 
that was a, if I was going to do it all over or something like that, or if I was going to open up a small six seater, eight seat restaurant, which probably what I would do, I would have a small offset smoker in the back, you know, some kind of, not like a Josh Keen's wood burning setup. I don't think that would be like that much, but, and it wouldn't just be all cooking with fire, but I would basically have a bunch of meat mm -hmm. that's been smoked or fabricated in a variety of ways and slice that. Oh my God. Just like it would be a piece of tuna or something in, in different ways and have different kind of condiments. You it could really just serve wasabi. Wasabi and barbecue is a perfect pairing and, and, and just see how that goes. Um, it'd be a tasting of different cuts of smoked meat. And I, I, I don't know, you could even serve that with rice or little pieces of bread or there, it could be some, you could serve it with rice paper or getting you or, mm. or shiso. There's so many different, you could serve it on a taco, like, or maybe you'd have a, a couple slices of, of nice raw fish that's been cured. Then I would have a couple oysters. Maybe I might go into, you know, a couple, you know, it would be like my version of otsumami. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> different, delicate, beautiful bites that are clean and light. And I would enter into the progression of barbecue and just like different types of sushi have different, there's like three main schools. I won't get into it mainly because I can't remember the exact like main schools in Tokyo style. <laughs> yeah. Don't get into it. <laughs> yeah. It's been a while, but you know, you would have your different ways of starting in your progression. So maybe I might do a, uh, lean cut of brisket. Maybe I would start off with some smoked turkey. Maybe I would go with, you know, and you could, show different kinds of wood and different kinds of smoke. And I would do, you know, different kinds of sausage, mm -hmm. one that was not without casings. And then I would go into, you know, the version of Toro. I would just go into the decal. Maybe I might do a short rib, you know, mm -hmm. like maybe I do an oxtail. You can do all of these things. If you think about it and probably get 18 to 20 different cuts of meat yeah. and they don't have to be deeply smoked either. And some of it could even be on, you know, rice. There, there's just so many different ways. I think you could do that. And, and not think, I know you can do that. Yeah. You could have your version of, you could have a 30 to 36, 90 minute meal, I think, over yeah. meat. And you could have some sturgeon. Imagine some smoked sturgeon, some fish. Like there's so many different ways, hot smoked fish, cold smoked fish. The idea of smoking I would be worried that it would be like too strong. I could imagine that, but it's not. I think you can really be judicious with the smoke where you're not blowing it out. You know, you're not blowing people's palates out. So anyway, that's an idea that I've had. I would love for it to happen. Would you, it's what would I you, would want to eat. I think it's beautiful. I think there's elements of like the best yakitori places, the best sushi places, but you've put it out there a couple of times. Will you, Dave Ching, actually be happy if somebody just takes this idea and no, runs with it? I won't be it? happy because I'll, <laughs> I'll say, fuck you. You took my idea. <laughs> but you'll secretly try to go eat there for sure. Yeah. No, because I'll just <laughs> try to open it up. <laughs> I want to do it, but man, I just that's don't have time. I mean, that's the thing to say, though. It's like that is, an, that is an incredible idea. It takes a tremendous amount of talent and time and dedication to pull that off night after night, though, too. Well, that's, listen, I'll tell you my, my one of the best restaurants. I've had, I think about this meal a lot in Japan and man, I wish I had the goddamn, I took photos or I, I even had the business card. Cause I couldn't even tell you where the hell it was. Oh, no. 
other than it was underground in the basement. You walked in, there are two guys, you know, there's no menu. And one guy had the Binchotan area. Another guy was in charge of like a teppanyaki and um, the rice. And there was a basket of truffles. There's some maguro, like tuna, different cuts of tuna. There was rice, oh eggs, God. truffles, and different cuts of wagyu. And there's no menu. And then you had like a um, some seasonal veg, but it really was just a salad. So you sit down, they start slicing you some tuna. They make some magurozuke. They give that to you. You're just eating that. You know, you just eat tuna. That's what you want. Yeah. Yeah. And then in there, and then I think you can choose your rice, but I just got it the normal way. And, you know, they're, they're making the rice to order in your own little donabe pot. Then you get your vegetables and then they uh, start cooking meat for you. Different slices. It's like your own personal uh, Korean barbecue, but with different cuts of wagyu. This sounds from insane. around Japan. Like, this is like that Seinfeld episode where George is like, "I swear there was a nightclub here last night <laughs> with models." Like you really can't remember. The, this. You, legit- fact, you legitimately don't remember this where this is or anything. No, I have photos of it. Oh, um, God, I, I, <laughs> and then they, you know, the rice comes out after you know some of the meat, and they crack a raw egg into it. And then they crush it in black truffle. Oh my God. And then they put some like sea salt into it and they just mix it up. No way. It's the best. And you know, it was an extremely expensive dinner, but that's the kind of food that I want. There's no bullshit. There's nothing to hide. There's nothing. There's, but it's the, it's so clean. It's so simple. It's so good. And that's, that's, that's what I want. I, I don't know if I want to cook that food myself, <laughs> but that's what I want. Who knows? I'm just saying, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? <laughs> well, one person we won't be mad at if he takes barbecue to this place is uh, Mr. Matt Horn, for sure. Well, that's one way I was trying to get him not to do it by telling him about. <laughs> that's true. If there's one way to get him to, to make it off limits is to suggest it directly in front of everybody. Yeah, that's true. But you guys should all check out his restaurant. Once you, if you visit the Bay Area, just skip San Francisco entirely. No, good God, good God. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's some restaurants you, you should definitely visit, like Corey Lee's, and I'm not going to name all the restaurants. There are plenty of great restaurants in San Francisco. Many of them operate my good friends, so I'm going to hear a lot of shit from them. <laughs> Fuck. But come to West Oakland and visit Matt Horn. But go to go to go to San Francisco after you visit Oakland. Oakland first. You know, Oakland fuck the first. Giants, really. Fuck the San Francisco Giants. It's true. It's true. Go see the Oakland A's in their cement prison. I, I love it. I got all the love in the world for the Coliseum, but it's it is brutalist. It's a brutalist. <laughs> oh, no. Oakland ballpark. is just a better town. Oh my god. Oh man. Come we at me, this Seth. Come at me, get, Seth. We get into this with your sw- Patagonia sweater vest. Come you at have, me. Dave has found a new way of just like grin fucking San Francisco. Just San like, Francisco, like you look, San Francisco, you look great. Have you been working out? My Jesus God. Christ. All right, let's listen to that. I haven't seen you in so long. You just, you just got it going on right now. Yeah, what have you been doing? You been lifting? <laughs> You've been coding? Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. All right. Let's listen to Matt Horn. Our next guest is Matt Horn. 
when we were in like real deep lockdown, uh, when we're filming the TV show, Next Thing You Eat with Morgan Neville and Chris Yang and the whole major demo team, it was probably in between the lull of Delta and whatever it was before Delta. And we had just gotten the vaccine and were able to go out in the world and shoot. And I hadn't seen Chris in how long, maybe like a year and a half. I hadn't seen him and I hadn't seen anybody. We were in San Francisco and I hadn't had a cocktail in, in a year and a half. Maybe <laughs> Chris, it was like a year and a half, right? Yeah, at least. Yeah. Uh-huh. I was just, I'm, I'm not seeing where this story is going. <laughs> <laughs> and I was possessed by the Holy Spirit to get drunk. <laughs> and this is not normally what I do when we're filming. You know, it's just you, you, the last thing you want to do is be hungover. I've never been hungover on a day of filming. Just, just you, that you just waste everyone's time. And I just lost track. We had fin- finished filming uh, with Corey Lee at Bennu eating extremely well. And then we decided to get some pizza nearby Bennu and they were outdoor seating and they were drinking mar- uh, margaritas. I feel like we got four pictures of margaritas. I think we all had like 10 cups of margaritas. Yeah. Next thing I know, um, we're, we're headed out to Oakland and I, I, it's the next morning and I feel like death. I, I hadn't had a hangover in a year and a half and I just felt like I was dying. I had totally forgot about one thing that there was like a salvation. There was something that was going to save me because I was so angry at myself again, being hungover. Number two, just totally forgetting about the day other than we're shooting at Oakland and I had heard all these great things about Matt Horn's barbecue and I, we pull up and the entire time I'm just complaining. I think I'm going to die. Production's worried. I don't know if Dave's going to make it. And I just kept on repeating to myself, I need this. I need this. <laughs> I need this so bad. You weren't saying it to yourself. You're saying it out loud. Out loud. <laughs> and I was just down the street. I was kicking the street with my <laughs> shoes, with my head against the wall on the facade of your restaurant saying, I need this over and over and over again. And lo and behold, we start shooting. And what you see on camera, I don't remember talking to you at all because (laughs) you brought out the food and I just started stuffing my face. And it was a tremendous amount, probably like eight pounds of food. Yeah, right. (laughs) You saved my life. I I, I not only needed it, I tasted it. It was delicious. And I really felt it was some of the best barbecue I've ever had. And I was just so honored that you'd be on a show and to learn about your story and it's probably the coolest location for a restaurant in all of yeah. America, in the middle of a goddamn street in West yeah, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Next to a, is it a junkyard or a, a recycling? It's, it's kind of like, like recycling. Yeah. Like this huge, just recycling. You're just hearing the noise and all that stuff. It's, it's, it's wonderful. And all it's, <laughs> I was really in a bad place and I needed barbecue. I needed your food. And man, what a story. It's so remarkable to open up a business, not just one, two businesses in the pandemic. Not only are you delicious and you make delicious food, you're fucking crazy, man. (laughs) Yeah, I am. I I am. And I think a, a lot more people are starting to realize that. 
<laughs> each day. Each day. I think you have to be a little. You have to be crazy. You know. I feel like since that time, since since Dave had his life saving moment at your restaurant, Matt, like. Dave, I think we probably talk about Horn Barbecue more than any other restaurant on this show. I miss it. I miss your food. I miss barbecue in general. You know, when you're seeing this happen in restaurants, at least in New York, where I'm sure it's going to be a trend, where it's going back to, you know, mid-80s, early 90s kind of food. It's all throwbacks and blooming onions and classics and stuff. I think that's going to be a trend. We're going to go everything cyclical. One of the things that's not just cyclical, but never will go out of style is slow roasted meats over wood that you can't cook at home. There's a lot of people that barbecue at home. Matt started by barbecuing at home. It's yeah. a very different world to actually have a giant rigs of smokers because he has a giant, giant, giant smoker. It's amazing. It's beautiful. This whole operation is just awesome. To cook at that level professionally, it's night and day. I want that. And that's the one thing you have to go and eat. So to see the joy, the cue of people that lined up at your restaurant, I was so thankful that we got to film before that happened. It's mm-hmm. amazing what you have built, you know? Thank you, man. Thank you. I mean, you kind of look at it and you look, you, you look at where you are. There's times where people are like, you know, do you ever just stop and take a second and just to enjoy? And you know what? There's times where I get so caught up in like, okay, what's next? What's next? I mean, that happens naturally in life, right? But when you take a look at like, hey, you know what? And I think back on those earlier days, earlier on in the journey, which led me to where we are today. It blows my mind. man. It really makes me emotional because I have to, you know, I have to talk my way through a lot of those cooks, you know? And you're out there, you're talking to yourself, you got your fire lit, you're out there with your smoker, you know, here it is two o'clock, three o'clock. And, you know, people are going to start camping out at about six, seven o'clock. And then you're just like, what am I doing out here? Mm-hmm. I could be in bed. I can, you know, you know, and a lot of those conversations happen. And I think that, you know, it's like your, your, your spirit may be willing to just be like, Hey, you know, what? I'm going to go out. I'm not going to sleep. I'm just going to go after it and, and burn the boats. And, you know, that kind of mindset. And then your body, you know, physically, you're just like exhausted. Mm. Chris, he's won a lot of accolades and you are the first person I know that had his food way back when. Can you, and all those accolades are going to keep on coming in and you deserve everyone. But Chris, can you talk about your first experience having Matt's food? I I mean, my, my first, you know, Matt, I I went to one of your pop-ups at like a brewery in San Francisco when you were like on that hustle, just going, just like, yeah. Driving like hundreds of pounds of meat around the bay, wherever the people were, you were showing up. And, you know, I'll be honest with you, you know, this, the truth is Dave knows too, like barbecue in the Bay area in the last 20 years has been not good. (laughs) And there's been all sorts of different promises that like a new great thing would open. And so, and every time somebody makes that promise, people show out, they come out for barbecues because they want it. And I remember getting right. in this line. I didn't, you know, my friends were the ones who told me about it. And I got in there and I stood in a long line. I don't, I don't stand in lines for, for food. I don't like to stand in line, but I did well, it. Thank, thank you, man. And I got up to the front and you were there. You were there just greeting every single person, slicing the meat yourself, just, just being in it. And I took a bite and I was like, this is, <laughs> it was like, I, I, I got, I did get emotional. I was like, this is like the closest thing to like actual barbecue I've ever tasted. <laughs> like, I mean, it was, it was real. It was legit. And I was like, I was, I was blown away. I was like, 
is this really from here? Is he really going to open a spot here? And then the crazy thing is like when, when we ate it again, when I was with Dave, you know, I had it, I had it like once or, once or twice in between, but you know, I said this to you then like, your, your craft keeps getting better. You were in your own facility at this point. You're in your own restaurant. You've been doing it for more years. Your barbecue got way, way, way better over that time. And by the time Dave tasted, he said it to me, you weren't listening. Nobody was around. He was like, I think this is some of the best barbecue in the world. Like this is absolutely on par with everything that's ever been talked about in Texas. Franklin, all these guys like Matt is right there. So, uh, man, it's amazing. But there was a story you told. I I wanted, I wanted to see if you would tell us again, because you're talking about, you know, these early mornings and you were telling Dave about this on the show, the two, three o'clock, your body, the spirit's willing and the body isn't. But you also told a story that we didn't make it into the show about the very, very early days when nobody was lining up and you were just trying right. to stay out. Can you talk us about like that, like holding the faith in those moments when the lines weren't there? Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that, um, you know, when we go, when we go into anything in life, no matter what it is, we want to be the absolute best at it. Right. So you have those people that just like, just want to just be great. And so I had already made it up in my mind where, you know, after doing, you know, those long months of going to granny's backyard, cause that, that got exhausting. The reason why I stopped doing that because it was just like, it's a trek driving from LA to Fresno every single weekend. You know what I mean? And, um, then when you finally get there, you know, I spend the next few days cooking in the backyard by myself and that whole thing. But once we got to a point where we were doing the farmer's market, the very first day I was just gung ho, just like, you know what? I just can't wait to just sell to, to the public finally. Cause it's different when you're cooking for your friends and family. You know, they're hungry. They're excited that somebody's even cooking for them. It's different when you start to put the product out there, you know, for a complete stranger. So when we started selling or whatnot, we started realizing really quickly, like, Hey, we're not making any money here at the farmer's market. And so with that, with that realization, I had to, you know, tell myself was you may not be making money, but this is an opportunity for you to hone in, you know, your guest experience, that sort of thing. So once we finished up with the farmer's market, I'll never forget. I took the same tent that we use at the farmer's market. There was a a bar in town. It was uh, was called Ralph's Bar. And we asked them if we could just set up. It was off of a main street. So there was a lot of traffic, a lot of traffic. And so I set up my smoker there. Um, I didn't have Lucille at the time, but I had like a vertical um, offset smoker. So it kind of looked like a really big black refrigerator mm-hmm. with like a little offset box on it. So I had that set up. I was in the tent. I'll never forget. You know, I was really excited because I'm like, okay, now I'm rolling out different types of sausages. Like I wasn't doing this before at the farmer's market. We kept it really simple. We were just doing like ribs, chicken, pulled pork. And that was it. And then we would do, you know, some sides to, you know, to, to accompany it. But I'll never forget, man. I was just really excited to be out there to cook the food. I started at 11. You know, now it's about one o'clock. Now it's about two o'clock. Nobody's coming. Mm-hmm. Now here it is. We're coming up on about three. And I, you know, now I'm embarrassed at this point because, you know, my wife's in the tent with me and then her brother's in the tent. So I turn around and I look back over at her. And at this time, she's about, she's about seven, eight months pregnant. Oh my God. And, um, this is, you know, this is in Tracy in the middle of the summer in a black tent. You know, I got a black shirt on with black. (laughs) I have all this black on everything. And she's, she's sweating. Her brother's sweating and everything like that. And I told her, I said, Hey, go ahead and go home. Get out of here. 
And she was like, what are you going to do? And I was like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to stay here and sell this meat. And she kind of gave me kind of like this look like, you know, like, okay, well, you know, I'll be at home. If you need anything, let me know. She took off, you know, maybe 30 minutes or so later, her brother was like, Hey bro, like I go get a beer. You know, I was like, go do your thing, man. He left and I was in that tent by myself. And when I tell you, Hmm. no one showed up, no one showed up. I I don't know. I don't know what it was about that particular day. I don't know if people were just trying to get home or nobody wanted to stand out in the heat or whatever the case may be. And I was left with all this food. But then also I was left feeling maybe I've made a mistake, Hmm. you know, uh, choosing this as a, as something I'm just going to take on full time because yeah, think about it. I didn't have a part-time job or anything like that, you know, and that's a whole nother story with my wife because, you know, she was working and I'm very grateful for her, but I literally was, you know, all in, I was completely obsessed with like, you know, teaching myself and, you know, honing in the skill. And, um, that, that day I'll never forget. Cause that, that was the day that I was just like, you know what? I'm done with barbecue. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was the day. And, and like, I don't, I don't quit that easy. You got to think driving back and forth from LA, going to grandma's backyard, you know, doing the farmer's market for that whole season. We didn't make any money at all. And, uh, it was that day that made me decide that, Hey, you know what? Barbecue isn't for me. Um, there's, there's, there's other things that could better fit my time. And, and that was my thinking, but I just, I, it, it was discouragement. You know, I don't want to work. I don't know. I never walk away from a challenge, but it was, it was discouragement. And I think a lot of guys that start off, you know, I try to tell them, that's why I say with everything is that, you know, you have to have patience, not just with the food, but you have to have patience with the process. You know, you have to be able to try to find a way to enjoy that journey of where you're trying to go. So, so you're not saying it was an overnight success. What? 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 <laughs> No, no, you know what? It was, it was, it was challenges, brother. It was just, it was just constant. It was constant, like soul searching moments. And I feel like to, to achieve, to accomplish anything great in life, you know, you have to go through that adversity. You know, we deal with adversity daily. You know, you never know what tomorrow is going to bring that sort of thing. But I always have this mentality that, um, you know, you need to embrace adversity. Because the thing about it, what I've learned in my life is that anytime I went through anything challenging or anything difficult, when I came out on the other side, I was stronger. I was more efficient. I was more knowledgeable about how to move forward. So I take it as a learning lesson. And I quit for, uh, I mean, I quit for the day. <laughs> <laughs> quit for the day. I mean, I, I you guys both have busy restaurants now i'm sure when you open cowbird you had you were you're nervous but you know you you have you have the you have the horn barbecue name behind it now you've got accolades behind it now you got publicity building up for for the opening you got soft openings and people showing up i mean the same with you dave you know it's like at this point if you open a restaurant i'm sure the same fear isn't there but that feeling that he just described from on day one when you're doing the very first day no and you open the door like that's terrifying, right? That's the ultimate fear. No, and, right? and when when Matt explained that story, it, it it certainly resonated me. And I think we've been able to have a conversation, like you know, about that and whatever trials and tribulations I've gone through. You know, Matt always knows that I'll do my best to answer anything because it was eerily similar in terms of what he was doing. Right? I I had worked in restaurants four years. You know, he was doing pop ups. I knew enough to know that I didn't know anything, but I was full of 
I'm just going to do it. The difference though, because my first few days with just me and Kino, we barely cooked for anybody. Mm -hmm. I mean, we were dead empty and it's a horrible, horrible feeling to know that you're going to go out of business. Mm -hmm. But if you don't know that feeling, it's really hard to appreciate when it's good. You know, like you got to go through that hell. It is heartache. It is so hard. The one difference for certain is not just the food. I wasn't married and I didn't have a child on the way. Yeah. You know, mm. the only other chef that I could think of that did something batshit crazy like you did in the best <laughs> possible way was Heston Blumenthal, who had like three kids. He was a repo man, had three kids, never cooked really professionally. I'm going to open up a restaurant called The Fat Duck. <laughs> wow. You know, and wow. the day he was going to go out of business was the day he presented at Madrid Fusion and he was going to let the world know after his presentation then he was closing shop because he felt like a failure, just like you said and just like I felt. And then the Michelin Guide called him and said three stars and his life has never been the same ever since. Wow. So regardless of the food or regardless of the path or trajectory you're in, if you're striving to create your own narrative, your own trajectory, have some control and a willing willingness to sort of put it all on the line. I hope, I hope one day there's other ways to get there, but man, maybe this is the only way. Right. You know, that's, that's, that's powerful, man. I mean, yeah. I mean, like what I've accomplished, you know, if like say day one, we went out and found like a brick and mortar space and just opened it up and did that, you know, you don't know, but I, I look at where this journey has brought me. And then when you look at what you had to go through to get to, to this place, I agree with you, man. Like maybe this was the only way to have to go through that, you know, because had I not have went through that, I mean, how would I have, how would I have been able to prepare my mind for a pandemic or prepare my mind for, you know, a, a lack of staffing, a shortage in that. And just these different situations that come, you know, we were at the restaurant once our wood guy brought us the wrong wood. And then when he brought us the wrong wood, the wood wasn't seasoned. It was green wood. Mm. So there was moisture in it. But then like having standing out in the sitting out in the rain, you know, you're thinking that's going to be a nice clear night under the fire. All of a sudden it starts to rain and you don't have a jacket and it's midnight, you know, and I'm just like, I can't take off and go find a jacket or something like that. I got to wash the meat. And you go through that and you get questioning yourself. Why am I doing this? I'm standing out here and, and, and I'm in an alley right now. I'm being rained on and I'm the only thing that's keeping me warm is this firebox. Why am I putting myself through this? You know, are is people even going to care that I'm going, you know, you, you go through this stuff in your mind, you know, how the mind, the mind is very powerful. You know, and when you find yourself in stressful situations, you know, all these different thoughts start to come out. But then because we had, you know, all those cords of, of wood that had moisture and whatever the case may be, we knew how to handle this situation with poise and we didn't, re we didn't overreact or we didn't let it stress us out or get to us. And I think that, you know, that's a part of the journey. I mean, that story, the story the guy you were telling me about, you know, three kids and he was a repo man. That's phenomenal. And you talking about, you talk about stepping out on faith and you talk about burning the boats. Cause I'm always telling my friends like, Hey, if you want to take the Island, you got to burn the boats. <laughs> And I tell them that, like, you got to be all in. That's the definition of being all in. And you know what? You do have to be a little crazy. And there had, there's time. I don't know if my wife would be happy with me just saying this, but there was a lot of days after the farmer's market, you know, she'd take the little box of money 
And in my mind, I'm just kind of like, you know, what do we make? And then I go in the room and, you know, there would be times she would, she would be sitting there in a the room in tears. Mm. And it made me question myself as a man where I was just kind of like, Hey, am I being a good husband? Am I, am I, am I being a provider? Did I find like this hobby that just has me going crazy? Should I, I should be working. I should be doing this. I should, you know, that sort of thing. And it's not, you know, I have a work ethic. Clearly it's not that I did not want to work, but I, I, I had a vision for where we could go. And I knew that, you know, if I wasn't all the way in a hundred percent, if we aren't, if we aren't a hundred percent in whatever it is that we're pursuing, we don't deserve it. Why, why would we, why would we deserve to, to achieve this or to arrive at this destination or to reach whatever level of success, however we define success, if we're, if we're not willing to go in and completely give it our all, you know what I mean? And then, you know, you deal with it with family and friends as well. You know, I've had a lot of family members earlier on that they thought it was just kind of the most random thing for me to all of a sudden want to get in the barbecue after working all these different jobs. You know what I mean? I was in retail management. At one point, I was throwing parties out in Los Angeles and in my hometown. Just different stuff, man. And decided that, you know, food took me to a place where it brought me peace. But fire, lighting that fire and cooking that meat consumed my spirit, consumed my soul. The smell of the meat, the, the sound of the wood cracking. You know, that, that whole process is very beautiful for me, but it's something that we've always, you know, as, as human beings been connected to is fire, seeing those embers and seeing a burn barrel and you got your burn barrel and you're seeing the embers coming out and you're grabbing the coals, all those different things is just, you know, that's, that was the thing where I'm like, I could do this for the rest of my life. And I, and I love that, you know, so whenever I, I'm able to bring my boy around the fire and I see that he's fascinated by it, you know, it, it's a beautiful thing. It's definitely a beautiful thing, but you do have to look around and enjoy where you are. And I just did that recently, just kind of stopped. And when you see old pictures, you know, when you see old pictures and I got my white T-shirt on and some basketball shorts and and it's cheap apron. It's not like a Hadley and Bennett or something. It's just, it's just cheap <laughs> apron from Smart and Final or something like that. And I got this old shovel and I'm just like, and I sit there and I think back on those moments and I'm like, who were you wanting to be, Matt? What were you wanting to achieve? What were you wanting to accomplish during those days? And I always told myself just to stay focused and embrace the journey, enjoy the journey. That's where the success is. I mean, I I loved what you said though, Matt. Like you know, the, the barbecue, the act, the act of cooking, standing in front of the fire, smoking meat, consumed you. But I just love this notion that like. I think about I think about Dave. I think about the chefs I really love, and it's just like at a certain point, like food stops being this thing that you consume, and it just starts to consume you. Like it just becomes what drives you and, and, and swallows you whole. Like when you we're, we're looking back now at all at the beginnings of, of Horn Barbecue and 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 you know everything Dave has built too. Like when the two of you guys look back at the earliest days at the food, what do you what do you think about the food itself? that you were cooking and serving in the earliest days? Do you look back and think like nostalgically? Do you look back and think, oh man, I can't believe we served that. Do you think like, oh, I wish I could still serve that. Like, what do you, what do you think about the food itself? I mean, I got to a point where if I wasn't putting dishes on where I didn't feel like I was going to vomit, not because the food was bad, right? But it had to get to that point of pushing the envelope, right? That I was out of my comfort zone. And it's very different because people are going to bar because they want consistency. They want that 
that fire element, you know, for, but for me, I, I don't know. I can't. The problem for me is I have a hard time recreating the same thing over and over. I want consistency, but I want it new every time, you know, mm-hmm. I want it to be right. consistently better and new. So I always say if Sambar started selling bowls of chili 10 years from now, I was like, great. I don't give a shit. <laughs> you know, it means that we, we had a pulse and we were evolving. So that's the way I always looked at it. But I always wonder with something that for the most part, you can change a lot of things. I want to get into your understanding of West Coast barbecue, but the idea to be creative with dishes, it's got to be harder to do in barbecue. It is. It, I mean, with, with barbecue, I mean, I was just, I was just talking to our team and, you know, whenever we're hiring, you know, it's one kitchen, right? So you have the guys that are working the pit and then you have the team inside that's preparing sides and that sort of thing. I don't want them to get burned out doing the same size day in and day out day, mm-hmm. you know, cause that's, that's the thing is like, it's not like, okay, we're in Texas or we're in North Carolina or somewhere else where a lot of those barbecue establishments have been around for a while and their guests expect the same thing day in and day out. Now, what we have the ability where with us, where, you know, with me being a first generation restaurant, a first generation pit, I'm not like, we're not, it's not like my father's been doing it, my grandfather, my great-great-grandfather at a horn barbecue restaurant. I have to stick to these classes. We have the ability to do different things and explore and, you know, switch it up and that sort of thing. So that's something that, um, you know, that we're excited about doing. But it is hard to kind of switch it up. I mean, we try to do different things in terms of like there's, I mean, in terms of smoking meats, there's so many different things that I can do with that. But doing it on a level where it's like, okay, how are you going to feed, you know, 100 people in line? It's like, I love to, you know, play around with different cuts of meats and and um, different things like that. But I try to figure, I, I look at it like the same way I looked at it earlier on, even now to this day, where whenever we put out a product, I look at it, I'm like, what could we have done different? How could we take this to the next level? And I've had people be like, well, maybe... You shouldn't change it. It's so great. It's not about wanting to change it. It's just, it's kind of like that avant-garde mentality. Mm. That, that's sort of what I was trying to explain with that, that, that feeling of being nauseous. Avant-garde, yeah. I think, has a, a, a bad rap because it has to be so out there that it looks strange and something you don't want. I, I don't want that. I want people to eat it, but it's something that pushes somebody not out of their comfort zone, but in a way they they never had before, right? There's a lot of creativity in food and it's not just doing the same thing over and over, but I don't know if people are ever going to see that. You know that that it's not just craftsmanship because there's plenty of that in what you do, but there is artistry and and finding the ways to change things. And I always think about the the chef uh Murata from Kikunoi in, in in Kyoto and he was I was sort of grilling him about evolving because at the time, this is probably 15 years ago. Oh my God, I'm fucking old. This is about 15 years ago. <laughs> there was a lot of uh, movement to make Kaiseki more modern. Seiji Yamamoto is a perfect example of that. You know, great Mission star chef in, in Japan. It was more like, why isn't everyone doing it this way? And he said, we change, but we have a different understanding of time. Our change... Mm is over 10,000 years. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. We evolve, we change a lot, but you just don't understand it because you don't see where it started. You know, mm. and it's, that's when I, that's why I'm like, I mean, what you're going to cook 
right now could start a whole different lineage of how people barbecue. We just can't see it. And maybe you can't see it yet because that's how it evolves. That's how language happens or culture happens. It's, it's like a patois. You know what I mean? You just don't know it because you're in it, but that's how you can spread it out. So that's how I've learned to appreciate and have a deeper understanding of, of things like barbecue or sushi right? Which I do put two, two of those cuisines or kinds of cuisines at the very top of what people want to eat today, sushi and barbecue. And how much can you really evolve in that? And, and I I think you can do it quite a bit, but it has to be, you know, at a steady pace. It does have to be, you know, and I agree with you. I mean, I mean, a lot of the things that I was doing earlier on when I first started out, even when I got to a point where I'm like, Okay, I'm done with grandma's backyard. I have so many notes on, you know, so much R&D that's been been done on this barbecue. I'm ready to sell it to the public. Even when I was there, when I was confident, when I'm like, okay, I'm ready to roll this thing out. When I look at the barbecue then, there's been like kind of like these 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 small changes along the way that has gotten us to where we are now. But even where we are now, my mind is in a different place. And, you know, I think that's the thing is like you, you kind of change the way that you approach cooking barbecue or the way that we approach smoking. And maybe I want, maybe I want this to have more of a Maillard reaction on it. I want this to go even further. Or I want this to be smokier. Or maybe I want like a different smoke complex on this meat. And maybe we do switch the, it's things like that, you know, that's going through my mind, you know, and people may not see just like how you said, like, People won't see that, you know, and I think that it's what goes on behind the fence. I always tell my team all the time, like, you know, I tell them, like, it's not about what people can see. It's all about what we know and what we do behind closed doors and character and that sort of thing. The most important part of a fence is the back part of the fence, not the front of it. I mean, everybody can see what's going on on the front. It's it's what happens behind the uh, behind the fence that matters. So that, that's that's my mindset with that. But I do feel like, you know, what we do today may impact barbecue, you know, for the next generation. And there's so many people getting into barbecue. I see it. I see it every day. And then you look at these guys that are fabricating smokers and they're selling these smokers like all around the world. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I love that. To be bit. honest, though, Matt, there's a lot of bad barbecue being made in the world, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 you know what? <laughs> I, I I agree with you. I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, I know it's you know, but that that's the thing. People's uh, the way that some people look at barbecue. I mean, earlier on, we used to have people say like, oh, "Why are you guys charging so much?" It's just barbecue. Mm-hmm. And so when when you have that that mindset that hey, you know what? It's just barbecue. People feel like, hey, you know what? I'm going to go in this Rayleigh's or go into this CVS, buy some charcoal, grab some meat from the store, and then, you know what? I'm in the backyard barbecuing. We do it on the level where we're doing it, you know, like they don't understand. <laughs> Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply.
This episode is brought to you by Vital Farms. No matter how you like your eggs scrambled, over easy, or sunny side up, the people at Vital Farms believe in one thing, keeping it bullshit free. That's why their pasture-raised eggs come from hens who each have over 108 square feet of space to roam and forage all year round. So you can spend less time questioning your food and more time enjoying it. Look for Vital Farms in your grocery store and learn more at vitalfarms.com. Vital Farms, keeping it bullshit free. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Can I tell you my opinion on, on barbecue and barbecue pricing while it's expensive? And I think that it needs to be like 10x more expensive. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, I brought up the idea of sushi and barbecue, two things that are better when you're actually there. And the kind of sushi that's very popular these days are the six to 10 seat counter restaurants where it's, you know, you have the otsumami and, you know, 22 pieces of nigiri and it's going to run you probably 500 to $1,000 a person. Easy. Now, mm-hmm. here's the funny thing, and I don't know if this is racism or just ignorance or people just not wanting to pay more for food. Why does Japanese food and all the training get to, you know, the training is very comparable if you're going to spend all that time at a pit, right? Mm-hmm. How, what if you charged $120 for a rib, a short rib? I mean, that's outrageous, but is it? Because it would change the game if people could appreciate the mastery and the craftsmanship that goes into barbecue, because I always find it ridiculous that people always complain it's too expensive. I'm like, no, it needs to be more expensive. Right. No, I, you know what? I agree. I mean, you think about, you think about everything that goes into getting that protein to the, to the block where you slice it and you serve it for the guests. It's a journey just to get there. Forget the the journey of cooking it. I'm talking about, you know, the the trimming, the seasoning, the spraying, the rotating of the of the pro, of the of the proteins. Um, you know, watching the fire, moving the damper, opening the damper, close it. What are we dropping? What's the temperature right now? Two seventy five. How long has it been there? Will you cold? Look at your base. It's about to break. Let's add another. Add some more wood to that. It's just so much going on. Where it's just not just a simple. Yeah, you know, you guys want some barbecue? Uh, I'll see you guys in a little bit. I got to go run up the street and, you know, and that sort I mean, of thing. In terms of like, it's, it's, I mean, you guys are absolutely right. It's the same thing with, with sushi. It's the same thing with Asian food. It's the same thing with barbecue where there's another element of what I can get a full rack of ribs at Chili's for $14.99. <laughs> like there's, a, there's like a, a quantity thing too where people expect a ton of barbecue. As opposed to well, like, it's, the, it's a weird a thing, Chris, and it's not just it's not racism, but there's some something about the ignorance, or there's something about one one thing can be super expensive, but nothing else can be, and that right. being expensive, being a Korean person looking at Japanese food or say Italian food, it's okay for it to be expensive, but nothing else can be, you know, and and you've seen change in people reviewing. Asian restaurants now are like, whoa, we can't just give it a, a $25 and under review. It's got to be this. So it's in this process. And I wonder, do you think that we're going to get to a place where barbecue can be at the level of, say, a Masa Takayama and, you know, something like that, like a three mission star restaurant, Matt? 
You know what? I, I, I feel that barbecue can get there. I feel like barbecue can get there. I think that, um, all dependent on the approach, on the, on the approach of the barbecue and the way that it's presented and the way it's prepared. Um, uh, I feel like those experiences can be offered because, you know, when you, you go to a really great sushi restaurant, you know, and these guys are masters of their craft and then you hear these stories and you think about where they come from and, you know, and, and the culture and the rich culture and, and the discipline around what they're doing. I love that. I mean, it gives me chills. It gives me chills and, and, and inspires me dearly. But I'm like, what, what can we do to take barbecue where, you know, where do we take it to the next level? You know, where's barbecue? Because just like how you said, there's a lot of bad barbecue out there. And it's because <laughs> people feel like the entry, the entry level in the barbecue is just like, Hey, you know what? Let me buy a smoker. Let me grab a shovel. And now I'm a pit master. And, and, <laughs> You see it all the time, you know, well, Hey, I'm going to start doing a pop-up and I, and I respect the fact that these guys want to get out and start doing something, but everybody doesn't have the best intention. And, you know, and for the people that are like, Hey, well, barbecue's too expensive and that sort of thing. I think that they should appreciate that we care enough. The people that are using high quality meats and proteins and, and produce and going out and sourcing the stuff that we want to give our guests the absolute best experience. And we want to give them the best quality. Because there's a lot of barbecue restaurants that are microwaving their food, that are boiling their meats, and they're hiding it and hiding it under barbecue sauce and cutting corners and that sort of thing. And the people that do appreciate, say, for instance, the Horn Barbecue, what we do, I've been very transparent along this journey with, hey, this is how I started. This is my process. This is what we're doing. This is how we're preparing your food. I mean, even in the restaurant, tearing that wall down and having that glass there, it's transparency, but it also contributes to further telling the story about Horn Barbecue and who we are. We're committed to excellence. So I think about that. I think, you know, I've thought it would be really cool to have like a 12 seat, 15 seat restaurant, something simple, reservation only or whatever the case may be. And you'd be able to go in and you can experience these meats and and to do it that way. I think that that would be dope. I mean, Matt, I've been trying to get some people, I've been trying to get APL to do this. You got to open up this restaurant, which is a six-seat restaurant, <laughs> right? You sit down, you prepay, it's like, uh, man, this is the celebration best. is like 800 bucks, whatever. Price is ridiculously expensive for good reason. Right. And you're just getting a degustation of just sliced meats going you know, oh, you want some more of this? Here you go. You want some more of this? Here you go. Ooh, with a little sides, a little acidity, whatever. You can actually assemble, I think, an 18 to 20 course smoked meat meal, much like sushi. And you could finish it off with a sandwich. There's so many different ways you could do this. And I get excited where barbecue could go because because that's what I love is fucking up with people's perception of what something could be. And just flipping it on its head, but I, I love yeah. both though. You know, I love, I, that. I, I, love I, that. I want that restaurant so bad, Dave. But I also, man, creating, creating fresh wasabi with a slice of short <laughs> rib and like, I mean, no, it's un- be so I, good. Like, it's unbelievable, and I want that. But I also, you know, like <laughs> it just feels like getting greedy because it's like I also wanted 
what Matt is open in West Oakland. <laughs> like, I want that too. I want like families running around, like the sound of like, you know, Dave was marveling at like the recycling center, the big crane behind you, families <laughs> right, dancing right. No, in the No bullshit, in the Matt. That was patio. the best, best. I mean it. It is the most special place to eat because it says so much, right? Yeah, that's awesome. And it's awesome. I mean, you can have both. You, so you're talking a little about the next generation and, and everything, Matt, and you're, you're putting out this, this book that's coming out, I think, uh, this week when, mm-hmm. we're, when this airs. Is it weird to you at all that your book and you and your story and your restaurant is both going to inspire probably the next great, hopefully, Northern California, Oakland pitmasters, the next generation, wherever they may be, but you're also going to inspire some terrible backyard barbecue. <laughs> Is it, is it weird that you're going to inspire both those things a little bit? <laughs> That's hilarious. You know what? Um, it is. I, I just, you know, when I, when I got one of the advanced copies of the book and I was just holding it, I was looking at it and I'm like, you know, I poured a lot into it and tried to be as transparent as possible and not just putting out, hey, you know, it's a cookbook. Here, you guys, this is how we cook ribs and chicken. But more so, just kind of like tell stories behind that and try to give as much as I can with the book, but, um, it is weird. I mean, it is, man. I mean, cause you know, I've had people, I mean, I've already got DMS from people that, I, you know, what? I, in my mind is like, okay, the book's coming out on the 12th. People have been getting their, their copies. And so I've been getting DMS of like, Hey, look at this barbecue sauce. And it's like the same color. It's the same color. Or I'm seeing like cornbread. I'm seeing different stuff. Like, hey, I want to do this, or I want to play around with this. And I, and I think that that's fun and that's cool with it. But, the whole purpose was to try to inspire if just one person, man, if they take that book and, you know, like, man, like this guy, what's this guy doing in the middle of the summer in a 10 by 10 black tent with his wife that's eight months pregnant cooking barbecue? Like, what's that about? Yeah. And, you know, and that, and that sort of thing where it's like, why did he do this? Why were you so committed? What is it about barbecue that consumed you? You know, because like, the people that are out there cooking that bad barbecue and you know, the barbecue and the reason why it's bad is because they're willing to cut corners and they're not willing to contribute and commit themselves to what it takes to be excellent and to be great. That's why I'm I'm uh, bad at it. And that's why I'm not good at it. (laughs) Cause I'm always like, this needs to cook faster, man. (laughs) Dave's got no corners left on his barbecue, man. It's just a circle. (laughs) (laughs) All the corners have been cut, man. That's the thing. It's just like, I don't know. It's just like, you just, I mean, that's the thing earlier on. Cause that's how I was where I was just kind of like, I need this brisket to cook, you know, and I'm popping the lid every 20 minutes or so. And you're looking and then you get six hours in, seven hours in and okay, is this thing done yet? Let me pull it out and wrap it up. And so, and it's just like, I had to change the way that I had to change the way that I was, uh, even approaching that, even with the briskets and just the different cuts of me where I'm just like, you know what? Let me not focus on what's going on inside the, the cooking chamber. Let me trust my cooker to do what it was designed to do. Let me focus on the fire and fire management. And so when I start doing that, I start seeing the product, the product change. And then I'm like, oh, wait, let me go try and take a look and go check, you know. You know, yeah, change. we know a lot of of the the great pit masters, I don't know a single one that's a bad dude. Number one, number two, they all have this zen like <laughs> understanding of the world and how life works. And 
I got to admit, I'm jealous. I should have spent my time making bad barbecue as a restaurant instead. <laughs> I mean, they spend so much time by themselves, man. Just thinking about life. Yeah, right, 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 All right, night long, right. staring at a fire, thinking about... They're you, like, you know how many books on tape I would have read? <laughs> <laughs> I'd be the most well-read person in the history of the world it's truly it's truly <laughs> remarkable man it's not it's not even just like matt's got a zen chill about him he's got an understanding of of what of, of where he's going what he's got but he, what you just said too of just like let me have faith in in the fire like barbecue is this faith thing you know what i mean like don't one of your instructions like don't open every time you talk to one of these pit masters like stop checking on it stop opening the fucking lids stop poking at the thing stop moving it around just like trust in the fire make it but like that's Just impossible like i got no faith I, I i have no faith in that how well, do i like know you're hungry happening? i mean you're hungry <laughs> i'm hungry <laughs> yeah, you're, you're hungry. hungry you know i'm like eat. yeah right this is good enough let me get a piece of white bread and a pepsi or, or something to drink and give me a piece cut me a piece of this meat and it's just like you're you're, you're hungry along the way it's just like okay let me stop let me stop starting these cooks Hungry. Let me get something on the belly, get a sandwich or something. <laughs> and like, okay, what am I doing right now? This is what we're doing. This is my expectation. This is what I'm expecting the time to be. And when I write it all out, I'm like, okay, let's get this fire lit. Let's get it going. How's the weather for outside? Well, you know, it's a nice, beautiful day out. Okay, cool. You know, we're like a nice, calm fire. Okay, cool. All these different things. And you start focusing on that stuff. You kind of lose sight of time. We're not kind of like... Man, I gotta go. I gotta, I gotta head out. It was just like, no, you're here. Yeah, you're here. Can I ask? I, I just heard something, and I've never heard it before. You actually said Pepsi instead of Coca Cola. Are you a Pepsi person? <laughs> oh, he's so last right gonna, on I'm, there. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be completely honest with you. I gr- literally as early as I. So my, so my aunt, my father, his aunt, her name was Gracie. So Aunt Gracie and my grandfather, they would always go out fishing you know, fishing for catfish and that sort of thing. And they get the catfish, clean it up, cook it. And they would always have this old white ice chest and it would be filled with Pepsis. I mean, literally as, as long, I mean, as young as I can remember, I would always remember these blue cans all over the place. So I grew up drinking Pepsi, but I'll never forget my grandfather. He'd be on a burn barrel making hot links and those hot links, he would cook them to the point where they start they start busting and squirt all over the place. Mm-hmm. And he just liked them charred like that. And he would just grab one right off the grill, and we would just grab a piece of white bread and some mustard, and we'd grab a Pepsi. And I remember that as a kid, you know, so. Oh, man, we found well, him. Yang, Yang, I have to retract all of my Pepsi hate, because how can you hate that story? <laughs> Jesus, I'm a horrible <laughs> human being. I'm sorry. <laughs> So we had never Pepsi. met a Pepsi drinker, so we just assumed yeah. that they were horrible monsters. Yeah. Then he told this beautiful story. <laughs> yeah. and now like legitimately, idiots. Matt, you are the first Pepsi drinker I've ever met in my life. Really? Yeah. yeah. Man, never met a You're like oh Sasquatch. It, you exist. <laughs> <laughs> so I take everything back. It's a wonderful thing. What don't you like about Pepsi? It tastes has an aftertaste of like Worcestershire sauce to me a little bit. It's like too much, too much, too much going on in the back palate. I, I don't know. On the because, back part, yeah. Yeah. But part of it is I grew up drinking Coca-Cola, uh, you know, and yeah, that's just yeah, what it is. Yeah. So I couldn't, I couldn't tell you why, but when I taste Pepsi, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like the sound. It's kind of like, I have friends that swear by best foods, mayo. 
or something like that. And then you got other people that or are Dukes, like, they're like Dukes Miracle Mayo. Whip. Yeah. Or Dukes, right? Yeah, you know what I mean? So it's like, every, and it's just like, okay, well, why do you like Miracle Whip? Well, that's what I grew up on. You don't like Besu? No, I don't like Besu. Then, you, you know, and vice versa. So. Little do they know, it's all made by the same company. Yeah. I know, right? <laughs> it all comes out of the same tube. Just yeah, right. Different bottles. Oh man, that's beautiful though. I love, I love, I love that the the cooking the hot licks till they burst and they're done. <laughs> just like they you know, all, they, these, these things with split, man, and you just you see the juice just squirting out of it, and then you grab that piece of white bread, it was soaking that bread, and it's like when you think about that when you translate it into like corn barbecue and the food we're doing or the hot links we're making. It's like, when I look at those hot links, I'm thinking about my grandfather. Somebody may be like, hey, the hot link was too hot. Or I think that they're a little bit too big. In my mind, I'm just like, I don't care, man. Yeah. Like, yeah, man. Are you trying to recreate those experiences at home with your kid? You have two kids now, right? Yeah, two kids. Yeah, Maddie and Leilani. Are you trying to recreate that experience? Do you barbecue at home or you're like, Guys, I'm going to bring it home from work. Are you barbecue at home, really? Honest answer here. No, I can't believe it. No way. Great, great uh, question. And I'm going to be completely honest with you. Because I'm around it so much, last was, I think it was like last week or like two weeks ago, Maddie came, I don't know what it was, but Maddie's like, Daddy, can you, Daddy, can you grill dinner? I'm like, you want me to grill, do you want me to grill dinner, Maddie? He's like, can you grill dinner? We can do the barbecue pit. And I looked at the, you know, my grandfather's old pit, the one I started on. I mean, that thing is like old now. I mean, the box, just not too long ago, the box just fell off of it. <laughs> the firebox did. So I'm just using it strictly to grill now. But um, it's been a while since I did it in the backyard because, you know, I would go from being at the restaurant, long hours. I would get home, spend time, you know, with the family and whatnot. And then go in the backyard with a cigar and then light it up and then just grab some meat up. I did that for a while, but it, it's been a while since I lit the grill up in the backyard. Yeah, so when I did that, that was, that was really cool to do, you know? And it's like, and the crazy thing about it is I cooked, I cooked dinner, but I found myself like, believe it or not, like grilling a bunch of vegetables. Yeah, you did. Of course. <laughs> of course you can believe it. I almost thought you were going to be like, truth is I'm a vegan now. I swear that was It's like you're around so much me, and it's like I, I, I love me, but it's like I don't know. It's weird. I have like this thing with mushrooms and just different vegetables and, and stuff like that, and I'm enjoying that as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Listen, I, I never want to eat another pork bun in my life ever again. But when I do, <laughs> when I do, I'm like, God damn, that's good, you know. But it's not like something I want to do because you're right. around it so much. The smell, you're around, the taste, you're, like, you're around. Yeah. It's the smell. It does something to your mind where you don't, you're not craving it and craving like, oh, I got to have it. Because before, you know, before I got started, I used, to, I used to always tell my wife like, hey, you know what? I'm craving ribs. I just need some ribs right now. I just want ribs, ribs, ribs. And I would always want that. I still enjoy it. I enjoy the beef, rib, I mean, everything. But it's like no, the one thing that I feel like I've consumed so much of, like just... <laughs> Insanely amounts of is brisket. I assume it's it's I for me, I think I think it's not just that you're like you've eaten so much of it. It's like I used to have a, a, a CD alarm clock and I would use my favorite song as my wake up song. And I'd be like, yeah, right. this fucking song sucks now. <laughs> because now I the, the smell one, right. you're talking about, the smell of pork buns, the smell of barbecue, that's the smell of work, guys. <laughs> like you're smelling <laughs> work. Like you know, it's not it's not funny. Right, you're just like, man, like yeah. you've had it. And you know, and it didn't just literally 
going in and, and you know quality control and tasting everything every day before service and that sort of thing and you're like you're tasting it even if it's in a little small amount you're still tasting it every you're day still tasting it every single you know what i mean <laughs> well nobody else is sick of it man maddie we don't want to take too much more of your time but where where are you checking out things to eat in oakland you know chris also lives in oakland he has i'm sure his list but i don't care about his list i care about where you want to eat. <laughs> man i'm going to so many different places i mean there's there's like really cool places there's like this uh this pop-up called high felicia there's mm-hmm. that pop-up that's going on i think they i mean literally i think they um they open up their first brick and mortar so that's some really great food I found myself, I don't know how this happened, but, you know, within the past couple of weeks, I've eaten at Lovely's maybe three times. Yeah, Lovely's rules. Lovely's What's Lovely's? Smash Burgers. Lo- Lovely's is, yeah, it's like this, yeah, Smash Burgers, and it's just like this really cool kind of little shipping container set up. So I like that. The staff over there is, like, really cool. So we're going over there. Uh, I try to just go, like, to different places just to just pop in and just go and get some good food, but then also to support, you know what I mean? Like, I think it's important to to support restaurants and restaurant owners during this time. And anytime I go into different places, I always love there. And I'm grateful for that. I don't try to come in and be like this. Like I just, you know, I just come in, I just come in just really cool. You know, just like, you know, Hey, how you guys doing? And they're like, Hey, yeah. Oakland's got a nice, it does feel like a nice tight community. Like people support each other. Like they do it in, in I feel like there's there's cities like Portland where they're overly supportive of one another, and you're like, you guys are just blowing smoke. Wait, up so you saying asses. they don't do that across? <laughs> are you saying they don't support each other in that other city across the bridge? <laughs> I don't know what city you're speaking of, David. There's, there's yeah, I have no recollection. I'm of that still city. new to the Bay, so I'm trying to <laughs> yeah. figure out what it, in ba- exactly Boston. City. I'm talking yeah, about Boston, Boston <laughs> of the West Coast. <laughs> no, Oakland. I, I, that's the funny thing, man. You were at Lovely's. Like I, I see a lot of other chefs rolling I through there, Oakland. and like they just hang out, man. It's amazing. Oakland rules. Oakland is, man. Just, just trolling San Francisco, <laughs> just from any angle he can. God, so can you imagine? Can you imagine Matt Horn barbecue in San Francisco? No, no. one could not. <laughs> oh my gosh! And I literally, you know, we were we were looking and thinking about that. We decided, like, you know what? We just focus on Oakland. Yeah, man. And that's that. But you know, we, we get we've gotten a bunch of you know different offers to come into SF and. Because sure believe it or not, there's a lot of people that don't cross the bridge. And I, you know, being that I'm new, I'm, I, I feel like I, I've been here, but I feel like I'm new. So I'm not aware. I'm thinking people are like, yeah, man, we're coming over on the weekend. But people are, but I guess not a lot of people are. And like where your restaurant is, it's, and you know, Dave alluded to it. He said it's like one of the, the most special places you can eat. And like mm-hmm. where your restaurant is, is so important. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. it's yeah. so amazing that it exists exactly where it is. So. You know, no, and, and you're gonna you're gonna expand. You, you open up Cowbird, and and I'm sure offers are pouring in as they should be. And all jokes aside, San Francisco, I love you. I, I you know, I'll just what's the point of not being able to talk shit and, and irritating everybody there? But apologies, yeah, right. right? Sorry, I, I prefer Oakland over San Francisco. Is that okay? Yeah, right. <laughs> new angle. It's like, Jesus Christ. Oh my God. <laughs> Sorry to all my chef friends over there. <laughs> okay. But, uh, you know, the funny thing is you brought up the idea, right? I never thought I'd open up a restaurant in a casino. I never thought I'd open up a restaurant in, you know, a fancy shopping mall. When I was younger, I would have been like, absolutely not. 
But as things change, you're like, that's a challenge, you know? And that challenge is the next thing too. So what do you think about the expansion plans? Because I know, you know, we've talked about it. You have, you got the, the vision, you're on the vision quest and I don't think there's any end in sight. When you start expanding outside of your, you know, West Oakland, where do you think you would want to go? Man, definitely. I mean, the East Coast for sure. Southern California. L.A. Come on. Come on to L.A. Yeah, please. L- yeah. Southern California for sure. And, you know, we'll, we'll be in Southern California for sure. Vegas is another market that, you know, that we're definitely interested in as well. So we're exploring uh, different opportunities in these different places. Well, you can always uh, ask me about any of those things. <laughs> Vegas, I love to tell you anything you need to know. I appreciate you, man. You've been, you've been there and I appreciate that, bro. I, I really do. I'm just excited to see, see you do it, man. And it, 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 it's uh, inspiring and it's great to see someone that deserves it, getting it and building the right team and, and the vision. So I love it. I love watching you kick ass. So God bless. Thank and you, man. I, I'm Thank looking you so forward much. to eating your food again very soon. And your book is out now. Home barbecue. Yeah. Go check yeah. it out. Buy it from whatever, anywhere books are sold, you can buy it. Yep, absolutely. So I'm excited about that, man. And I just, like I said, I just want to try to inspire as many people as possible. And hopefully they get a little bit more insight on the story and how it started. And hopefully they don't want to go out and create their own horn barbecue, their own, their own concept. You know what I mean? Chris, don't get, don't think of any, don't, don't get any ideas now, Chris. (laughs) We need you. We need you here. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just gonna be DMing Matt pictures of terrible barbecue at all hours tonight. What's is this one good? Is this one good? Yeah. No, anytime, man. You reach out anytime. Thank you. Matt. All right. Well, thank you we all. Stop Thanks, ignoring Matt. each other too. <laughs> you guys, these guys, these two knuckleheads go to the same school. Their kids go to the same school. They just found we out. We walk by each other. We literally walk by each other. That's which is crazy, man. And I'm like. I'm like, I don't want to be rude because I've been there before in life where you're like, Hey, what's going on, man? How are you? And then so I look at you and they're like, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Sorry, but that's not me. Chris, you have seen Matt face to face crossing the hallway. I've seen like, I don't know this guy. I'm for sure. For no, it's sure. On the si- no, we go like this on the sidewalk, right by each other. <laughs> it, it's, it's, what's wrong with you guys? No, I don't I know. Because we couldn't good. confirm until. So I, okay. What really quick. I, I walked by and I was like, I think that's Matt. And then I was like, I don't know. I, I don't You know, everyone's got a mask on. Who knows? And then I heard another parent saying like, oh, little Maddie's dad runs Horn Barbecue. And I was like, fuck, that's Matt. That's definitely him. So now no more, no more, no, no more you flybys. Know what went to Chris's head? I don't know. I don't know. That might not be him. After he heard of Matt from yeah, right? Horn Barbecue. I don't know. Still don't think I'm that's still him. not sure. Yeah. Maybe he's talking about somebody else. A horn hoodie. A just horn hoodie. Like, yeah, that's what I did. Just carrying a brisket. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. And my truck's pulling a smoker. And it's like, everyone yeah. should go check out his restaurant, really, and, and experience it. It's, 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 um, it's an amazing place. And I, I think it's going to become one of those institutions. I really, really believe that. So thank you guys so much. All right, man. I mean, Thanks, everybody. Too. Thanks, Matt. Everyone, right, give us five stars. Thank you. Take it easy. Go check out Matt's book. Thank you, Matt Horn, for talking to us um, and and sharing your. You're just cool. I mean, 
there's something about the top barbecue guys and uh, they're just calm cool and collected yeah unlike all that time alone (laughs) give us five stars go visit our discord uh page where do they find out the discord page majordomomedia.com slash discord there you go. It is it is alive and kicking. If you haven't joined the Discord yet, you are you're missing out. It is taking on a life of its own and for better or worse, because man, the inmates have taken over the prison in there, man. That's it's right. wild. All right. Thanks, guys. <laughs>